Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Well, hey, I am excited to be here today. Welcome to everybody on site. Welcome to everybody watching and worshiping with us online. I'm Jacob Young. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone. So excited. Are you guys excited to be here today? Are you guys excited? Even though it's ugly outside, we're happy to be in God's house. And I'm happy. I'm just, every now and then, I'm reminded about what we do on Sundays and how incredible it is that every time that we get together, not just on Sundays, but on Saturdays for our Saturday service as well, we are taking part in 2,000 plus years of tradition. Isn't that incredible? 2,000 plus years of church tradition of Christians from all kind of backgrounds, all kind of ethnicities, uh, all kind of uh, geographical locations around the world. We are all getting together to worship the resurrected King Jesus, and we've been doing this for over 2,000 years. That's just an amazing thing to think of the fact that we are a part of all of that. And not just all of that history, but all of the stuff that's presently happening today. There's estimates that say there are approximately 2.1 billion, with a B, Christians in the world today. So think about it, as we are joining together for worship today, it's not just here at Cornerstone Church in Northeast Ohio and all of our uh, uh, online family from wherever they're watching. We have people all over the world, 2.1 billion people that we are joining together with right now worshiping God, praying to God, reading God's word. Isn't that an incredible thing to think about? It's awesome. It's awe-inspiring when you truly think about it. And speaking of God's word, that's where we're going to start today. We're going to start as we jump into the sermon with our two foundation verses for this series that we started, discussion with the devil. We're first in John chapter 8, verse 44. This is Jesus talking about Satan. He's kind of giving a, a job description of who Satan is. He says this, For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That is our enemy. That is who Satan is. That's what he does. He lies. He is a liar. He's the father of lies. Uh, I've, I've mentioned this in the past weeks. Other versions of scripture put it this way, that whenever he lies, he is speaking his native tongue. It's what comes natural to him. That's the enemy that we're up against in the world, and he's good at it. But, like, Make no mistake, he is a very skilled deceiver. But the good news is we are not hopeless and we are not helpless as we fight back and resist against him. This is what scripture continues to say in the book of James chapter four, starting in verse six. God gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's good news. That means that even though Satan is skilled, even though he is a master liar and a master deceiver, I can fight back. I can actually resist him. I don't have to buy into and listen to the lies that he tells me. I can resist them and he will flee. And that's what we've been looking at as we've uh, been in this series discussion with the devil. We're in part three today. We've been looking at lies the devil tells us. 
when he tries to start up a conversation with us, when he wants to start a discussion with us to get us to believe his lies. And so where we were, let me just give a quick recap. Week one, we looked at kind of the foundational falsehood that all other lies are built on, and that is, did God really say? Satan always makes an effort to try to downplay God's truth or distort God's truth. Well, did God really say that? What did he really mean by that? Did God really say? And if he can get us to buy into that, if he can get us to buy into the way that he downplays and distorts God's word, he knows that we can go against God's truth and then we want to distance ourselves from God because that's his end game, right? That's his goal. His goal ultimately is to have you here and far away from God as possible. He will do whatever it takes. He'll do whatever is necessary. He will lie to you in whatever way he needs to, to drive distance between you and your father. And so that was the foundational falsehood that we built on from week one. Last week, we looked at one of the lies that he tells us that's based on that, on a distortion or a downplay from God's truth. And it's this, the lie that it's all about you. It's all about you. Satan wants us to believe we are the star of the show, that there is no more important person in the world. You are the VIP of planet Earth, right? And most of us wouldn't ever say this. We wouldn't ever vocalize it this way. But Satan gets us to live like this is the truth a lot. He gets us to buy into this lie that everything is about my needs, my wants, my desires. If I want this to happen, I need to do whatever is necessary to make that happen because it's all about me. It's all about me. But what happens if we start to live like we are the star, we start to treat God like a supporting character, right? We start to just give God our pre-approved script and say, here you go. Um, you can make some edits, but just slight ones. <laughs> Because I already know what I want. Like, I already, I already got this thing planned out. After all, I am the star of the show. And so we have to reject that at every turn because when we live that way, when we live like we are the star, we are living out of order in creation. This world was not created for you to be the center. And so if you start living that way, you're going to start noticing that things are going wrong all over the place, at your relationships, at your work, with your finances, all over the place, things will start to go bad. So those are the two lies that we've looked at so far. Now today, I am so pumped for this sermon. Uh, this is the one that I've had highlighted in out this, this whole series um, because this is something that I'm just gonna tell you, you need this, what we're gonna be talking about today. Does anyone have any kind of problems they're, they're dealing with today? Just a show of hands real quick. Okay, cool. There's some people who are just scooting through life unscathed. I'd like to meet with you after service to know how you do it. Um, but, but we all have problems. All of us are dealing with problems. And so today what we're learning from God's word is something that you need. Why don't you turn to your uh, neighbor and tell them you need this. You need this. You need this. Put it in the chat online. You need this. I need this. This is, this is what scripture tells us today. And this is the truth that we need that we're going to work off of. This is from the book of 2 Corinthians, another uh, one of Paul's letters. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through 11, and then verse 16 and 17, Paul writes this, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, 
but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. Verse 16, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Amen and amen. That is good news. Paul is no stranger to trouble. Paul knows what trouble looks like and problems look like and issues look like. Honestly, a lot of the stuff that we are carrying in here with us today, Paul would probably laugh at it. This is a man who has been beaten. This is a man who's been shipwrecked. This is a man who's been stoned almost to death twice. This man has seen some stuff in his life. He has faced problems, and yet his problems that he faced never once made him question the love or the faithfulness of God in his life. And so what I want us to do, um, the, the final point of today's sermon is so good, I can't wait to share it. I'm just going to spoil it, okay? We're going to spoil it by sharing the final point here at the start as we kick off the sermon today. Uh, this is what I want you to know. The problems in your life, they may reflect one of two things, okay? The problems in your life, they may reflect the state of the world because we live in a broken world. And so you may have problems, you may have health issues, you may be dealing with broken relationships because of what somebody else has done. There, there are problems in our life that reflect the state of the world that we live in. We live in a broken world. There's also problems in our life that reflect the state of our obedience. Ouch. Like we, we, have, to, we have to say that, we have to admit that because that's true. There's some problems that we are frustrated by that we're like, why am I dealing with this? And it's because of our obedience. It's because we just haven't listened to God. It's because we just have not followed his will and his outline for our life. So yes, those two things are true. Problems may reflect the state of the world or the state of my obedience, but hear me on this. The problems in your life never reflect the state of God's love, ever. They never reflect the state of God's love for you. That is the one tried and true thing that no matter what you are facing, you never, ever have to worry about. Can we pray real quick? Father God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the fact that you love us more than we can even begin to comprehend today. Help us to learn from your word today so that we can go through life no matter what problems or troubles or issues or situations or obstacles come our way, that when we face those, we will be able to face them with the unwavering truth and confidence that we are not dealing with this because you love us any less. You couldn't possibly love us any more than you already do. Help us to remember that, that your love for us is never dependent on the situation and the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Help us to learn that truth today and live in that truth, Father. We love you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, today's sermon title, The Lie from the Devil that we're looking at is the lie that God hates you. God hates you. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell him God hates you? I'm just kidding. Don't tell your neighbor that. <laughs> God hates you. God hates you. Amen. God hates you. Uh, <laughs> so 
It's NFL kickoff weekend, as you can tell. Like, we're celebrating ministry partner draft today, but it lines up with the, the kick, uh, kickoff of NFL weekend. A lot of people are wearing their jerseys all around here. I'm not saying who has the best jersey, but I am wearing a Bernie Kosar jersey. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> there's my Bernie fans. All right. Uh, so it's NFL kickoff weekend, and as we think about problems, I can't help but think about NFL kickoff weekend because I am a Browns fan, right? Like, I'm, I'm very excited to become acquainted with all types of issues and problems today at 1 o'clock as the Browns <laughs> kick off against the Panthers. And if history is any guide, if history is any guide, I know how the story of today's game ends. It ends with a Browns loss. Like, and this, this isn't me just being a typical pessimistic Browns fan. No, the Browns in, whole, in, in season openers in the last 18 years, they are 0, 17, and 1. The best they have done is tied. They tied against Pittsburgh a few years ago. It was so funny. Tied against Pittsburgh a few years ago. This was during the midst of a huge losing streak. The next week, we were getting ready to play the Jets, and a group of Browns fans, as the Jets fans were walking by, a group of Browns fans started chanting, not, we're going to win. They started chanting, we're going to tie. We're going to tie. Like, oh, we got you right where we want you. <laughs> we're going to tie you today. Yeah. Um, it's going it, to, it, most likely, it's not going to be great, right? I'm a realistic Browns fan, but this is what's so funny. I can already see into the future, okay? If the Browns lose today, if the Browns lose today, suddenly tomorrow at 6 o'clock on my favorite sports show, the, the Ken Carmen Show on 92.3 The Fan, Ken Carmen Show, guess what's going to happen? We're suddenly going to find out that the Northeast Ohio area is littered with should-be NFL head coaches. Every caller who calls in is going to somehow be an expert in NFL head coaching. Those Browns, man, they're idiots. This is what they should have done. And then the next caller calls in. Oh, I can't believe that coach Stefanski. That guy has no idea what he's doing. We're, we're suddenly going to be like dumbfounded at how many coaching experts we have in the area. Isn't that amazing? And that's something I've, that's something I've noticed about problems is that problems turn everyone into a professional, don't they? If there's a problem, suddenly professionals just come like falling out of the sky. You, you had no idea that some of your best friends from high school were infectious disease experts, did you? You had no clue. And then suddenly COVID happened and you're like, whoa, this is incredible. Like all these people from my graduating class know so much about the novel coronavirus. This is incredible. They know that it's the biggest deal in the world and some other friends know it's not a big deal and it's, it's amazing. You probably didn't realize how many uh, political theory and political study uh, experts and professionals you had in your life until the 2020 election, right? And then suddenly everybody's spouting off knowing exactly how the Georgia voting rules work and exactly how all these things because problems create professionals, Suddenly, everybody's a professional. Everyone's telling the why this should happen and why that shouldn't happen and how this should actually be going. Problems turn everyone into professionals. They think they know the who, what, when, where, and why of everything, right? Anytime there's a problem, all you have to do is open up your social media and see, boom, tons of people telling you exactly why this has happened and how to fix it. 
That's, that's one of the things I love about the scripture that we read today whenever Paul is talking about the, the trouble, the problems that he's finding himself in. Let me read this one more time. Uh, this is verse uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 10 and 11. Paul says, through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Then here he goes. Here, here's the problem. Yes, we live under constant danger of death. Paul's like, yep, th- there's the problem. But you know what? I already know why. Like, I don't need you to tell me why, I already know why. Because we serve Jesus. (laughs) Because we serve Jesus, we live under constant threat and under constant danger of death. I love that Paul is basically like saying, I I don't need anybody else's armchair analysis. Like, the, the Holy Spirit has witnessed to me exactly why I'm dealing with the problem I'm dealing with. I don't need someone else to come in here and try to, well, you, uh, you know why you're dealing with this problem, right? Let me, let me give you my professional opinion, much like in the Old Testament. We see Job with his friends, and Job is going through a terrible time, and his friends come up to try to say, well, Job, you must have some sin in your life. Well, Job, God must not like you. Well, Job, you, you must have done something wrong. Let me tell you why you are dealing with this problem. And Paul's saying, no, 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 I, I know why. I know why. I don't need armchair analysis here. Let me say to you, we need to keep that same energy that Paul has when we deal with problems in our life. We need to keep that same energy, especially when it comes to the ultimate problem solver, the devil. Can I tell you, he wants to come in and tell you the why behind every problem you're dealing with. He wants to let you know why you're dealing with that issue, why you're facing that obstacle, why things aren't going right at work, why your health is not in a great place, why your finances are hurting right now, why your relationships are are burning left and right. He is the ultimate problem professional, and he wants to help you analyze and adjudicate, analyze and figure out why bad things are happening to you, because he's so helpful, right? That's why. Just like last week, the devil wants to make you the star because he just cares about you so much. He sees your potential. The devil wants to help you know the why behind your problems because he just cares about you. He wants to make sure that you know what's actually going on. Obviously not. Obviously not. Every single time the devil tries to give us the why behind our problems, we can know from the onset it is always based in deceit. Every single one of his lies Every single one of his whys is based in a lie. It's all based in deceit. And he will try to tell you why you're facing problems. He will try to tell you why you're facing issues because he knows that if he frames it just right, if he frames the problem that you're dealing with in just the right manner, that problem is gonna become poisonous to your faith. And he knows it. He's like, man, if I can just, if I can angle this right, if I can just get them to believe this is the why behind that issue they're facing, oh man, I can get them right where I want them. He can make our problems poisonous. And this is what he does. Follow me on this. The devil will use circumstantial problems, problems that are just Uh, they just occur, right? They just happen in your life. Problems that just naturally come up. The devil will use circumstantial problems to drive relational uncertainty between you and God. He'll take little issues or little questions or little concerns or little problems in your life. He'll frame them just the right way and he'll do it in an effort to drive relational uncertainty between you and God. 
Is anyone scared of flying in here? Anybody kind of like weirded out by a few people? Okay, my mother-in-law is terrified of flying too, so you're, you're in good company. Um, it can be a scary thing to fly, and it can be easy to like feel uncertain about wanting to fly. Like if you're looking for signs that like, oh, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't take that trip. Maybe I shouldn't get on that flight. You'll be able to find them, right? Like I guarantee you, you can be scrolling Netflix, and you'll see Final Destination pop up and be like, <gasps> I'm not getting on the plane. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not getting on that plane, right? Um, you, you'll be on, on your way to the airport, and you'll hear, like, the, the traffic report, and, yeah, we got a crash on uh, I-77. A crash, crash. I'm on my way to the airport, and I heard, heard the word crash, right? You, you have all these little circumstantial things that pop up that can feed your uncertainty about flying, right? The devil wants to do the exact same thing in your relationship with God. He wants to take little circumstantial issues, circumstantial problems that come up, frame them the right way, and then make you go, hmm, is God upset with you? Maybe God's not happy with you. Should you go to church today? He probably didn't want to see you there. <laughs> don't, don't pray. You're praying over the same issue you messed up with last week and you prayed about. You think he wants to hear that again? You're not even really that sorry. You know you're going to do it again. The devil uses circumstantial problems to drive relational uncertainty between us and God. He did in the Garden of Eden. We, we just read about this the last two weeks in the Garden of Eden. The devil takes this little issue, this little thing, the one thing that God commanded man and woman not to do, to eat from the tree. Takes this one little issue, and guess what he does? He frames it just right. Hey, Eve, why, why doesn't he want you guys to eat from this tree? Oh, it's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Hmm. So he doesn't want you to know between right and wrong. Man, it doesn't sound like God trusts you. He doesn't trust you with that knowledge. Wow, I thought you guys had a great relationship built on like trust and total trust between you and God, but whoo, I don't know if God trusts you. I don't know about that. He takes these little circumstantial problems, he frames them just right, and it drives relational uncertainty. Suddenly Adam and Eve are, well, is God holding out on us? Maybe God doesn't really trust us. Maybe he doesn't know what's best. Maybe he is afraid of us to have this knowledge. What is God holding back from us? The devil uses circumstantial problems to create relational uncertainty. He does it over and over and over again. This is what it says in the scripture that we just read from 2 Corinthians, our scripture for the day. Paul says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. You see, what the devil wants to do is tell you all of those things, but not the second half of them. He just wants you to hear, you're pressed on every side by trouble. You are perplexed, driven to despair. You are hunted down. You're abandoned by God. You get knocked down. He, he wants you to hear just the bad side. He only wants to frame things and paint things in some one way to make it look like, oh man, things aren't going good. How is your relationship with God? Is he mad at you? Is he upset with you? Maybe you're dealing with these things because you've done something to upset him. He wants to create relational uncertainty. He wants us to feel unease in our relationship with God. And the end game that he wants us to arrive at is the belief that God hates us, that God is mad at us, 
that God is disappointed in us, that God is upset with us. This is where he wants us to believe. He wants us to believe that if we have problems in our life, it must be because God has a problem with us. Well, if I'm dealing with a problem in my life, I must have done something to make God mad. I must have done something to make him upset with me. Now, this is why this belief in this lie is so unbelievably dangerous. There's actually, I mean, I could preach probably seven sermons off of why this is dangerous, this idea that if you have problems in life, it must mean that God has a problem with you. But I'm just gonna highlight one today, one particular reason this is so dangerous. Um, we, we saw the show of hands. Can we see it one more time if you're dealing with a problem? For real, if you're dealing with a problem. Uh, there we go, online, I wanna see it too. That's like the whole room. And guess what? If I were to ask the same question next week, <laughs> the hands go back up. It may not even be the same problem, it'll be a new one, Right? Because there's, there's always something. There's always something. And that's why this lie is so dangerous. If you believe that the problems in your life are the result of God having a problem with you, you think God is always mad at you. He's always upset with you. Because there's always a problem. There's always something in your life that you're trying to work on and deal with and figure out. I believe it was the great philosopher of our time, the notorious B.I.G., uh, Biggie, who said... Mo money, mo problems, right? No, no, no. Mo breathing, mo problems, right? If you breathe, you have problems. If you have blood pumping through your veins, you have problems. You, you face issues. We all do. It's a part of the human condition. We talked about it earlier. If it's because of the state of the world, it's the state of our obedience, regardless whatever it is, we all face problems. Problems are constant. And if we fall into this belief that the problems in our life are a result of God having a problem with us, we're gonna think God always has a problem with us. He's always upset with us. Have you ever been made to feel like a nuisance to somebody? Especially maybe whenever you're little, like there's just, there's people and you may really like them, you wanna be around them, but you can just tell as soon as you enter the room, they're just, they just feel frustrated, right? It's a, it's a terrible place to be where you just feel like you're, you're a nuisance. Like, you're just a nuisance, and, and whenever you realize that, there's that moment. I've had that happen whenever I was young. Pastor Brenda shared a few weeks ago about whenever this happened to her. When you feel like you're a nuisance to somebody, you know what it makes you want to do? Avoid that person. Not even because you're mad at them. You just don't want to upset them. You're like, wow, this person, their demeanor changes, the way they are, the, their happiness. Like, the, they were outgoing, and as soon as I come around, they kind of bottle up and are... And so if you feel like you're a nuisance, you know what that leads to? Avoidance. Okay, I don't even, I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave. Again, exactly where the enemy wants us. He wants you to believe that you are a nuisance to God. That you have all these problems in your life because of you, because you're not pleasing God, because you're not performing up to his standards, and that God is just so annoyed with you. He is so frustrated with you that when he hears you praying about that thing again, he's rolling his eyes. He wants us to believe that we are a nuisance so we will avoid our heavenly father. Now, what I want to ask is, as we kind of end into the, 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 the final parts of the sermon today is, how would things change though? How would things change if we started to see that the problems in our life are not punishments from God? 
Because I think that is just kind of a common belief. Like, oh, if, I'm, if I have this problem, God's punishing me. God's upset with me. I didn't do the right thing. I, I missed Sunday service last week, so that's why I blew a tire this week. Because God punished me. He was, he was mad at me. He was frustrated with me, right? Um, but how would things change if we started to realize that maybe, maybe the problems in my life aren't punishments from God, but the problems are just products of life? They're just products. They're just, they're just things that happen. And it's not God is just so annoyed by me and so frustrated with me. He's, boom, hitting me over the head again with another problem. But what if our problems are products? And here's, here's what I want to tell you. And there is scripture after scripture after scripture to back this up. Problems are products. And often, problems are the fruit of faithfulness. Mind blown, right? Like, that, that's crazy, because it goes against what we naturally think. It goes against what many of us have just been taught forever. But the fact is that we can find page after page of scripture that will say, actually, actually, problems are a product of faithfulness. As you faithfully follow God, you can expect there will be some issues. We, guys, we, we talked about it last week. Jesus, has anyone ever lived a more faithful life than Jesus? No. And where did that lead? It led to the cross. It led to him in the Garden of Gethsemane praying with, with, with pain and with agony. That's what faithful living led to in his situation. We see the Apostle Paul. Let me read you again what he says in verse 10 and 11. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we've screwed up and uh, we didn't do what God said to do. We live under constant danger of death because, well, I've got some unresolved sin in my life and so God's putting me into these terrible positions where, where people want my head and it's, just, it's scary. We're, we're under constant danger of death because God, God just must be upset with me. There must be something wrong that I'm doing. No, look at, like, look at what Paul says. We are under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus because we're faithful, because we're following him with everything we have. This is the complete and polar opposite of the prosperity gospel. It just is. Honestly, I'm, I'm astounded every time I think how, how that can even be a thing because it's just, it's nowhere on the pages of scripture. Problems are products and often they are the fruit of faithfulness. Uh, back whenever we first started our Here and Now campaign, we were just a little ways into it, and I had a, a, a guy who's a small business owner in our church ask me to meet him for breakfast. Um, he's actually, he used to be a part of our church. He's at another church now, not for any bad reasons. He, he went there to support somebody who, who he knows really well, and he wanted to support them. Um, and this is after he had already left our church to go to the other one and support this guy who started a church so he asked me to meet for breakfast. This was all him setting it up. We sit and we, uh, we sit down, we eat, we talk, and on our way out, he says, hey, can you come over to my car real quick? And so I follow him over. Um, he opens up the door and there's like a Walmart plastic bag. He picks it up, hands it to me. I look inside. There's $30,000 in cash in this thing. And it's like, the funny thing is, it wasn't even in like the nice, like little like money clips. It was like gangster rolled with rubber bands. I'm like... <laughs> What business do you run again? <laughs> Is it, am I okay to take this money right now? Uh, but he handed it to me and he's like, hey, I just want to let you know, like, I, I believe in you. I believe in the church. I believe in Cornerstone, what you guys are doing. 
is incredible. I know that as soon as you guys get your facility, it's just gonna expand your ministry in so many ways, and I'm so excited to see what God's gonna do there. And I mean, I'm, I'm bawling. I'm like, thank you, thank you, right? And so I, I, we, we hug, he, he takes off. I take the money, I go over, open the passenger door, I put it in the passenger seat, I put the seatbelt on it, and I gave it a little kiss. I'm like, <laughs> be safe, little one. Like, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a lot of money. Uh, let me tell you, I, <laughs> I have never driven that safe in my life. Like, I was aware of everything wrong with my car. I'm like, okay, are my taillights working? Is my tag registration up to date? Like, I have a crack in my windshield, would they pull me over for that? I drove the speed limit the whole way home in the slow lane, right? Like I was so nervous. And what I was nervous about was like, what if something happens? <laughs> like what, what, if some, what if someone pulls me over? What if they're like, what, why do you have this money? What if it gets taken? Like I, I could not get that money out of my hands quick enough. I just, I couldn't. I, I got it to our finance director. I'm like, here you go, your problem now. Like <laughs> get it in the bank as soon as possible, right? Uh, it's, it, it, was, it was a scary thing. And here's, but here's the thing. All of my fear about something happening to that money actually isn't irrational. Because problems are often the byproduct of faithfulness. We kid ourselves to not think that there are powers of darkness that are constantly colluding in the world to snuff out the kingdom of God. They just are. And so, yeah, having life-changing money that I knew would be a shot in the arm of our campaign in the early days, I absolutely was concerned something was gonna happen to it. Because from day one, as God's kingdom has been advancing in the world, the powers of darkness have been trying to snuff it out. We saw it in Jesus's ministry from day one all the way to the end of his life. We saw the enemy trying to take Jesus out. It happens all the time. It happened to Paul. Faithfulness breeds issues. Faithfulness breeds problems. It was true for Paul and it's going to be true for me and you. The devil himself will create problems in our life to try to snuff out your potential and try to snuff out what God has in mind for you. And here is what's just so crazy about Satan. He'll create problems in your life. He will create them. He'll create problems in your life and then he'll blame them on God. He'll create the issue and then, well, maybe God's not happy with you. Maybe you're dealing with this because God's upset. Did you go to church last week? Did you pray? Are you up to date on your Bible reading plan that you started at the beginning of the year? Oh, you're not? Ooh, I bet this is God punishing you because he hates you. He's mad at you. He's upset with you. We are all susceptible to this lie. So the question is, because the fact is we will face problems, every single one of us, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, where is my level of trust in God? How much do I trust what he says about me? How much do I believe what he says about me? Even when things in my life seem to be going hard, even whenever things be, are difficult, even when everything that I'm seeing in my life would say, God's upset with me, God hates me, how much am I going to actually trust what God has already said, what I already know to be true? You see, I reveal my confidence in God most clearly when my life goes most poorly. I reveal how confident I am in my relationship with God most accurately when life goes most awfully. <laughs> when things are bad, when the chips are down, that's whenever I'm able to, you know what, all right? How, how, how much am I trusting in the promises of God that I saw in the light now that I'm in the midst of all this darkness? Am I really gonna be able to trust and hold on to what God has said about me, what I know 
to be true? Will I trust in his promises despite the lies of the devil? You know, uh, John F. Kennedy Jr., whenever he passed away uh, years ago, it was a plane crash. Uh, You probably remember this in the news. He, He died in a plane crash, and they say that what the cause was was spatial disorientation. It was so foggy out, the clouds were so low, and the ocean was so calm that it all just looked like one big sky. Terrifying, right? You're flying in that, not having any idea where the horizon is. You could be 10,000 feet above sea level, or you could be two feet above sea level. You have no clue. And it's in those moments when you're flying blind, you have got to trust your instruments. They don't lie. You've got to trust what your instrument panel is telling you on your altitude, on your speed, on your location. You've got to trust it. You have an instrument panel. (laughs) So do I. We have God's word. We have the work of the Holy Spirit in our life witnessing to us. Are we going to believe and trust in these instruments when life is giving us a fog, when life is throwing us problem after problem and it feels pretty easy to believe that God is upset with us and that God hates us. And maybe I should avoid that Bible study group this week. Maybe I should avoid going to church this week. Maybe I shouldn't pray this week because I don't think God even wants to hear from me anyways. Will we hold fast to the trust, uh, to the promises of God, the promises that he loves us regardless of what we do? Regardless of the way that we fall, regardless of our shortcomings, will we hold to the truth that God loves us and reject the lie that God hates us? Because actually a lot of problems in your life are because God is giving you influence. Cornerstone, do we know something about that? Holy cow. I mean, as God has given us influence and as our church has grown in so many ways, we are constantly meeting pushback, constantly meeting things pushing up against us, trying to snuff out God's intent for our church. Faithfulness can produce problems. But this is what I'll say. And this takes us back to the start of the sermon. It's not the only reason we may face problems, right? Of course, that is, that is a big one. But the state of our world is a big reason we face problems. The state of our obedience is a big reason we face problems. But even in the midst of those things, even in the midst of wherever you find yourself today, whatever self-created problems you're walking in today with, never forget that God loves you. Never forget the truth that God loves you, that he died for you. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back up on stage. As they do, I just wanna say it one more time. Problems may reflect the state of the world and problems may reflect the state of your obedience, but problems do not reflect the state of God's love for you. They never have, and they never will. Don't you dare buy into the lie that you're facing issues because God hates you or is mad with you or he's throwing something your way because he just can't believe that you messed up. (laughs) That's not how God works. We don't see that in scripture. That is not God's nature. That's not how he functions. God loves us. He loved us all the way to the cross. He loves us with a love that is not dependent on how we act or how we do things. There was a skit that we did years ago at Cornerstone, and I love this line. It was a man talking to God, uh, and the guy says to him, God, I just, I feel like I've let you down so many times. And the actor playing God responds back, let, let me down. You were never holding me up. Like you, uh, you, you can't let me down. <laughs> you weren't holding me up to begin with. You can never let God down. You can never do something that's going to make him love you more or love you less. He already 
loves you with his everything. You need to believe that in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the fog, in the midst of your problems. Don't you dare buy into that lie from the devil that God does anything else but love you. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.